Greatest story ever told. You begin to think about our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, coming into this world. You know, this time of year, I think we forget about that greatest story sometimes. I think we begin to think about all the other stories. In the midst of all that has taken place over the years of, in this world, that story is still the greatest story as ever told. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Matthew chapter 1. We're in a series on Sunday mornings that we've titled, For His Name's Sake. And we're going to look at something here this morning in Matthew chapter 1. We're going to read in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, Fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Which, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he, and he was call, and called his name Jesus. If you look back with me in verse 23, it says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child. And she'll bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. I'd like to preach a message that I've titled, For His Namesake, Emmanuel. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning. And truly, the greatest story that's ever been told is not a, is not a, a, a story that has been made up. It's not fiction. Lord, it's a true story, a story about God Himself coming into the presence of man in the form of man, that He might save man from his sin. We thank You, Lord, for such a great salvation that You have blessed us with through Your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray this morning that You'd strengthen us and guide us, help us to get a full understanding of, for Your name's sake, Emmanuel. God with us. And Lord, I pray that you would be with each person here. If there's someone here that does not know Jesus Christ as their Savior, may their hearts be pricked. May they understand that their, their future without Christ is one of a lake of fire. But if they would turn to you and receive you as their Savior, Lord, that their future can be that when, of spending their eternal life with you in heaven. And Lord, I pray now that you would strengthen us, be with those who are sick, be with those not able to be with us today. Lord, be with this nation. May it turn its heart to you. For these things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You be seated. You know, as you kind of move about this time of year, uh, you hear many at the stores or other places giving you wishes of happy holidays. Happy holidays. Uh, I was with, uh, around some this week and, and their response was, happy holidays, happy holidays, happy, ho- hope you have a happy holidays. Say, what would you say, preacher? I said, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. And uh, you say, are you being mean? No, I'm not being mean about it, but you know what? Um, Satan not only wants to cause the lost world to remain lost and Christians to get busy this time of year during, with all the festivities and everything that's taken on, but he wants to do away with the name of God. Anything that, that, uh, that uh, depicts the Lord, he wants to do away with it. And so uh, he's trying to erase Christ out of Christmas and But, you know, the fact is he not only wants to erase Christ out of Christmas, but the name of Christ, but he wants to erase the gift of God, which is Jesus Christ, the message of God, which is about Jesus Christ, and the presence of God, which is Emmanuel, God with us. And he wants to erase that from before our eyes and our ears. He doesn't want us to see it. He doesn't want us to think upon that. But long before we had Black Friday sales... (laughs) Long before we had distribution centers, long before we had Christmas sales, long before we had all that, the, the, the festivities, the parties, the banquets, the uh, uh, Christmas banquets, the Christmas decorations, there was the first Christmas of Jesus Christ as it was Emmanuel, God with us as He came and presented Himself before us. Oh, I'll tell you what, we've got to stop and realize what Christmas is really about. We've got to stop and realize what God is trying to show us through His Son. From the very beginning in that stable in Bethlehem, the first Christmas was brought forth and it was, it was and is the person of Jesus Christ. That is Christmas. It's the person of Jesus Christ. I want us this morning to travel back in our minds just a little bit to that first Christmas for without the birth of Jesus, there would be no Christmas. Step into that position of that man, Joseph. As he's trying to sort it all out and trying to wrap his mind around everything that was taking place. You know, I've often sat down and thought about Joseph. You know, you hear so little about Joseph. You hear about Mary and the Virgin Mary and you hear about the birth of Christ and everything. And you hear about the wise men. You hear about the, the, the shepherds and you hear uh, about Herod who tried to destroy Jesus Christ. But very... Many times you hear very little about Joseph and think about Joseph, but stop and think about Joseph just for a moment this morning. You realize that there was a great challenge to his conscience. Look with me there in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when, when his, as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, that speaks well of him, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. You can kind of imagine the feelings of, of confusion that he might have had. He He's not found just anyone to marry. He's not just marrying someone, but he, uh, the very one, the very one that he loved. 
He's about to take this woman in, in, in marriage, and, but all of a sudden now something's not right. There's something that's changed, and Mary is with child. Mary's pregnant. Joseph knows he says he's a just man. Joseph knows that it's not his child. He knows it's not his child. He hasn't done anything amiss. He hasn't done anything wrong. And he knows that it's not his child. And you can imagine, here's the woman that I love, the one that I want to spend the rest of my life with, the woman that, that I thought was, was so wonderful in the end, and looking into her, her eyes of innocence. And, and now I see that she is with child. And, and, he, and you can imagine the hurt. You can imagine the confusion. You can imagine the, the discouragement that was in Joseph's heart and mind, even to the point that he's looking at it. And he loves her so much. And he knows what it must take place. He knows what the Levitical law is. And that because of, uh, of a woman that, was, that was, uh, uh, became uh, pregnant uh, uh, with child, out of wedlock, they were to take them and they were to stone them publicly. Here's Joseph looking at her and thinking, everything was going so well. Everything seemed so good. We were about to get married. And he even shows his love when he said that he Decided basically not to put her away. They decided to put her away privately, not to make her a public example. Otherwise, and what that meant was this, and understand this, this meant that he decided instead of taking her out in front of all the people in, in, the, in the town, just outside of the town, and they would generally take him many times, uh, either there or in a hole, and, and people would gather around, and they would all take stones, and they would begin to throw those stones and, and stone him until they died. Here's Joseph looking at it and he says, I'm not going to do that to her. I love her so much. I'll do it privately. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? The hurt, the confusion, and all that's taken place there. His mind begins to spin out of control, broken, hurt. Then the angel of the Lord steps upon the scene. Look at verse 20. says, But while he thought on these things, he was thinking about them. He said, Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him. Boy, I tell you what, it sure is good when God steps on the scene. Amen. Amen. It sure is good when things are going the wrong way, when things are discouraging, when things are are not going as they seem like they ought to go. Then all of a sudden, uh, it seems that as God steps on the scene, Boy, it took place that day as Jesus <clears throat> was, was going to be born. But God stepped on the scene. The angel reveals the hand of the, and the plan of God unto Joseph. The angel declares that it's going to be a divine conception, that it is a divine conception. Look in verse 20 again. It says, But while they, he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived, now look at that, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. He got his attention. He's telling him, he said, this is a supernatural conception. If you begin to go through the scripture, you'll find that uh, twice in Luke that he drew the attention to the fact that Mary was a virgin. 
over in Isaiah chapter uh, chapter uh, seven. It, it was prophesied that uh, that the Savior would be born through a virgin. In Isaiah 7 and verse 14 it says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and, and, and call His name Emmanuel. And what we find here is that, that there's, a, there's this divine uh, conception here. If you, you think about Luke, Luke many, in much of his writings, he, Luke was a physician. Luke knew that a, that a virgin could not have a child. That there could not be, it was not physically possible. She had to have been with a man in order to have had a child. And yet here's Luke over there. He's writing about the virgin that was going to have this child. And so he knows and we know. And so it had to be a divine conception. One that was prophesied several hundred years before by Isaiah. That Jesus would come into this world, Emmanuel. It may have been a surprise to Mary. It may have been a surprise to Joseph. After all, everyone knows that a a virgin can't have a baby, but it was no surprise to God. It was the plan of God. Luke's and Isaiah's emphasis highlights uh, God's supernatural role in the event. This is no ordinary conception. This is something supernatural. This is something that's divine. This is something from above. It was nobility entered poverty. It was divine holiness combined with humanity. It was God came in human flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. We have to understand that the supernatural birth circumvented the transfer of sin. The sinful nature. You see, within your body and within mine is the sinful nature. We got it from our great, 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 great granddaddy Adam. Whereby one man sin entered into the world. Who was it? That was Adam. It was passed on to you and me. It's in the genes. You know, I think last week I talked about the hunter. He has my genes. And I'm not talking about my blue genes. I'm talking about my genes. Amen. And But the fact is, is that... He has those genes. It's passed on from the Father many times. And so what we have here is that if Jesus would have been born of a man of this world, He would have had a sin nature. And He could not have been the perfect sacrifice for you and I. So He was conceived of the Holy Spirit that circumvented that, 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 that sin nature He has the genes of the Heavenly Father. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten. And that word begotten, as you remember if I preached before, that it means gened. Gened Son. It's His Son. Everything about the Heavenly Father was passed on to to His Son. And and, and we find there that it was circumvented, the, the sin nature was circumvented by a divine nature. It was needful that we could have a sinless sacrifice. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit so that His human nature might be sinless. Mary, His mother, was his mother, but God was his father. Therefore, he did not carry that sinful blood of the lost mankind, but the perfect sinless blood of his heavenly father. As his name Emmanuel foretold, it is God with us. 
There in verse 22 and 23 it says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted is God with us. You know, I, I look at that and I think about the fact that to have God with me, you know, many times, I don't know if, if, we, if we grasp it. The fact is that many times, John, I think that when we're praying, we're thinking way up there. And in true reality, according to the scriptures, according to the word of God, it is God with us, with us. He came to be with us, not to be some God afar off, not to be some God over there but to be God with us, understanding that He desired the fellowship of man, desired to walk with man to walk with Him. You see, just as a master key is designed to unlock multiple doors. I remember as a kid, we used to have, we used to call them skeleton keys. And the old, the old locks on the old doors and stuff, you had that skeleton key, man, you could unlock about any door you had. Or we thought we could anyways, we did. It's called a skeleton key or a master key. When I used to work down at uh, Miller Trailers, we had what we called a master key that opened, that unlocked all the locks on all the, the rental equipment and stuff and all the, the doors that we used. We had a master key. It gave you entrance to anything that was there. You see, just as a master key was designed to unlock multiple doors, and Jesus is our master key to God Himself. He reveals to us the heart and the mind and the nature of God. Not only does He do that, but it's through Jesus that we get to know God. He is with us. It's through Jesus that we come to discover the depth of His power and understand it. It's through Jesus that we understand the fullness of His love. And without Jesus, we would never have gained entrance into the presence of God. No other name of Jesus reflects the nature of God's heart toward us like the name Emmanuel. Lord willing, here in just a, a short period of time on Wednesday nights, I'm going to begin preaching about the names of Jesus. I've preached about the names of God before. We're going to preach about the names of Jesus. But there is no other name that really reflects or really shows the nature of God's heart toward us, like the name Emmanuel. That name Emmanuel says something great. It's like this. Come here, White. I can talk to White and, and I can, you know, and, and be, you know, and, and a few things, and he can go home and he can go here and go there. But if I decide to be with Wyatt and to walk with him and maybe go to these ball games and, and, and go with him when he goes hunting. And, and I'm not going to get on the motorcycle with him, I can tell you that right now. But, and, we, we, and all those things. And, and, and spend time with him and I'm there with him, not just send him a text or anything. It means a little bit more, it may not to him, but it means a little bit more usually when you're with somebody instead of afar off. It means a little bit more. It means that you care. It means that you, you, you want to be a part of their life. It means that you are interested in them. It means that you want to help them. It means that you want to be there when they go through the good times and the bad times. You're with them. 
Are you following me? Because it was God sent Emmanuel. God with us. And that name Emmanuel, for God's namesake, He sent His sons that God Himself might be with us, not afar off. You see, it was our sins that separated between us and our God. And we were uh, afar off, the Scripture says, from Him because of our sin. But my friend, through Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, for His namesake, for God's namesake, He sent His Son, Jesus, Emmanuel, that God might be with us because He wants to, He cares about us. He loves us. He wants to be around us. He wants to be a part of our lives. He wants to be there in the good times. He wants to be there in the bad times. He wants to have things to do with your life. He cares about you. It's God with us. Oh, how He loves us. So he sent his son, the very son of God, God with us. Emmanuel came into the world in, in a, into a world of crisis. I got to thinking about the fact that, you know, it seems like there's a lot of crisis going on right now. We said, well, I wish God would come. Do you realize that it's, he's, he's here, God with us? He came into a world of crisis. It's not merely a name to remember during Christmas or singing carols while you're sipping hot chocolate. Emmanuel is a name of comfort when times are at their worst and when they're at their best because it's a great reminder of God with us. Jesus came that we might know God more fully, that we might experience Him. That we might have a relationship with Him. Not just know about Him, but experience Him completely. Experience His power more fully as He deals with our sins and our circumstances and works in our lives. For His name's sake, He sent Emmanuel that you as a Christian will never be alone because it's God with us. You may be sitting in your home, what you may think, home alone and, and thinking that nobody cares and nobody's there to spend time. But with you, it's God with you. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, He said, I'll never leave thee or nor forsake thee. He cares about every part of your life. He cares about every need that you have. He cares about the, the difficult times. He cares about the good times. It's God with us. You see, at birth, Jesus was sent. When He was sent, He was destined for the cross, though. In verse 21 with me there, it says, And she shall bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. For notice what he says here. For he shall save his people from their sins. Some might say, well, preacher, that's Israel. I understand what you're saying there. But do you realize that as you receive Jesus Christ, your Savior, you become his children. You become his people. Jesus was born to die. Die for all that would them that would receive Him as Savior. Even Jesus confirmed His mission as He came into this sin-cursed world. We find over in John chapter 10, He said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life the sheep 
That was his destiny. That he would come into this world that we might be saved through his death. You see, just as much as we look at, at, at the, the nativity and we see the babe lying in the manger, really what you've got, now look with me, take my, watch my hand. In the backdrop of every nativity should be a cross. In the backdrop of every nativity is a cross. Because He didn't come to be here. He come to be there. But He went to there. Come here, Blake. That He might end up here. You see, that wasn't where He was headed. And really, that wasn't where He was headed. It's right here is where He was headed in your heart. That He might be with you. That He might be with you. Though He was off in a little old stable somewhere born there, seemingly all alone, it was God with us. Though He hung on that cross, all who had rejected Him watched afar off. Everybody stood back and He seemed so alone. But it was still God with us. Today, when you receive Him as your Savior, He's God with you in your heart and life. Oh, how He loved you and how He came to this world to die in your place, to take your sins upon Him, that He might die and save you from your sin. Luke 19.10 says this, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. He came to us. But it's up to us to receive Him, that we might receive eternal life. There was often a story told about a rich man, a very wealthy man, and he had only one son. And he loved that son. They spent a lot of time together. And oh, how he loved him. And one day that son died, broke his heart, made him very distraught. He hated it to lose that son. There was, in his house, there was all kinds of expensive things, paintings and all kinds of very expensive furniture and, and just all kinds of, of wealth that was strewn through his house and just an amazing place there. And beautiful, beautiful mansion and, and everything was to the T. I mean, he just, oh, everything was wonderful. One day he died. There was a public notice made that there was going to be an estate auction at that mansion. Everybody knew that there was expensive paintings and, and, and furniture and, and sculptures and on goes the list of all the, the magnificent things that he had collected over the years, collectibles that was expensive and, and hundreds of people showed up for that, that auction, that estate auction that day. As they began, the, the auctioneer got up and he gaveled it into the beginning. He said, it's time to bid now. He said, we will start with this piece. He reached over and they handed him a picture and he held it up like this. And it was a picture of this man's son. He said, could I have a bid? And he started at a high price and 
Everybody sit there went quiet. He went down in price. He said, could I have a bid? And he went down. Finally, he said, will anybody bid upon this picture of the man's son? And everybody sit there. They wanted to get on to the other things. Finally, from the back, there was a, an elderly man. He came walking forward and he shuffled forward and he got up to where the auctioneer was and he said, sir, he said, uh, he's, he's back a little ways. He said, if nobody else wants it, he said, I, I was the man's servant for all these years. He said, could I have the painting? The auctioneer looked at him. He said, just a moment. And he looked again. He said, is there someone who will bid upon this, this painting? Will somebody buy this painting? And everybody was quiet. They just wanted to get past the painting and move on to the expensive things. The auctioneer looked at him. He said, the painting is yours. And he handed the painting to him. And the man tucked it under his arm. He had a great smile on his face. And as he looked at it, you could tell he admired that young man. He had been around him when he was a little boy and, and seen him grow up. And he admired the young man. And he took the painting and, and headed to the back and got back into his, into his seat back there to watch everybody else bid on all the other stuff. The auctioneer reached over, grabbed the gavel, hammered it, and he said, this auction is now closed. And people said, what? You haven't even brought out the other paintings. You haven't brought out the sculptures. You, have, you haven't brought out all the, the furniture, the expensive collectibles and everything. What do you mean it's over? He said it was in the will of the owner that whoever took the son got everything. You realize that when you take the Son of God, you get everything. Everything. But to reject Jesus Christ, you lose everything. Absolutely everything. He that takes the Son gets it all. It's amazing how that we look at things. You see, as it is with the Heavenly Father, He that takes, it, takes His Son gets everything. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 32, it says this, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? For His namesake, He gave us Emmanuel. And for His namesake, He gives those who receive His Son everything that He has. We didn't read it, but if you go on down into chapter 2, and I'll read a little bit of it there, we find that there was a disgruntled Herod who, and the wise men who are part of this wonderful story. The wise men who were changed. Matthew chapter 2 there in verse 1 it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to, to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. You see, Herod was troubled 
because they spoke of another king. They spoke of somebody else besides him. He thought he would take, he was afraid that this king that they spoke of would take his place. And so he became troubled. Can I tell you that's the way the world is today? That they want to sit on the throne. They want to their own throne. And they're afraid of, of this one that is God with us. The king of, of all glory, Jesus Christ. And they become disgruntled. And they, they want to push him away. And they want to do him harm. Herod plotted to do away with Jesus. By having the wise men to come back and tell him where the new king was so that he might go and do away with him. Satan has already tried to do away with him. Even now this world wants to do away with Jesus in Christmas and every part of your life. Christian, listen to me. Well, if there's one thing that we ought to push to the forefront of our lives, and not just now but every day, and that's Jesus Christ. Because Satan is busy trying to do away with him, trying to do away with his witness, trying to do away with his love, trying to do away with what he did at Calvary, trying to do away with his forgiveness, trying to do away with all that, that Jesus has given to us because it's God with us. And Satan is trying to do away with all that because he wants to be king. He wants to sit on the throne of your life. He wants to control the world. Well, we look at this world and Satan is having a heyday. Destroying lives and destroying homes and destroying children and destroying marriages and destroying people's lives. You'll never find Jesus Christ doing that. But bringing people together to love the Lord and to, to serve Him and to follow Him. Satan wants to do away with the nativity. Because it is the birth of our Savior. He wants to do away with Christ in Christmas. But can I tell you this? They can't, he can't do away with Him because for His name's sake, He is Emmanuel, God with us. And you, can, you can't do away with the God of heaven. Amen. He's God with you. Then we see the work of Emmanuel in the, in the lives of these wise men. Look at verse 9. Chapter 2 says, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star and they, which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Notice there that the star drew them to Emmanuel. It was a powerful drawing. They, they, they left off what they were doing and they traveled from afar, the Bible says. And I want you to understand that Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. And oh, this morning He wants to draw all unto Him. First of all, in salvation, but after that, He wants to draw you close to Him. He wants to fellowship with you. He wants you to walk with Him. He wants you to enjoy Him. He wants you to know Him better. He wants you to experience Him. He wants to draw you near. There's a drawing, a pulling at your heart and life. And, and I remember that day when... 
I was lost in the Holy Spirit dealing with my heart, drawing me unto Jesus Christ to receive Him as Savior. I got saved in the middle of May on a Wednesday night in 1975. But my friend, after that, there's always been that drawing as, a, as the Holy Spirit is drawing and trying to pull me closer to the Lord. There was a drawing that day to those wise men, and there's a drawing of God in your heart and life even today. He drew them. He drew them to Him. When they got there, there was rejoicing. That great rejoicing. They had pursued that star. They had pursued Emmanuel. They bowed down and they worshiped the newborn king, the king of glory, Emmanuel, God with us. In their very presence was the God of heaven. He said, Boy, that must have been something. To look down and they knew that he was, that he was God, that he was the king of kings. Can I get you to understand that he's Emmanuel, God with us, and oh, how we can look unto him, the King of Kings, in his very presence, to adore him, to love him, to worship him. Oh, I hope you didn't come here this morning just to hear, hear somebody get up and and preach a, a sermon. I hope you came that you might see him, that, you, that he might be lifted up in your heart and mind, that you might worship him, that you might magnify him, that you might glorify him because it's God with us. Do you realize what you have, Emmanuel? You're never alone if you know Christ is your Savior. You're never by yourself if you know him as Lord. He's Emmanuel. God with us. And oh, how we, we come together. We ought to sing praises to His name. And as you're by yourself, you ought to lift Him up and you ought to magnify Him and glorify Him. They rejoiced at His presence that, he, that they had found Him. Well, when's the last time that you rejoiced over the fact that you found Him? Or could I say that He found you? How shall we escape, the Bible says in Hebrews? If we neglect so great salvation, oh, how we ought to thank the Lord. They rejoiced at His presence. They gave unto Him gifts. They gave Him, those, they, gave him they presented unto Him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Can I ask you something this morning? What are you giving Him? What are you giving him? Most of us, we will buy a present for somebody this year. We'll give somebody something. It might be money. It might be a Christmas card. But we're going to give somebody something probably this year. Some of you, if nothing else, you'd probably give them a hard way to go or difficulty. I don't know. But we're going to give somebody something for Christmas probably. They gave him gifts. What are you giving him? Say, preacher, I can't give him a necktie. I can't give him new shoes. I can't, I can't buy him clothes. You can't give him anything. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present what? your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was it good and acceptable, perfect will of God. 
we can present unto Him our gifts, and that is our lives, to live for Him, to serve Him, to worship Him, to magnify Him. Can I say that that day when they came into the presence of Emmanuel, He changed their lives. You see, when you meet Emmanuel, He'll change and direct your life. There in verse 12 says, And being warned of God in a dream, that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. When you truly know and acknowledge Emmanuel, God with us, He's going to direct your life a different direction than what it used to go. He's going to direct you in a way, a path that will have great blessings. He's going to direct your life in a path that has the presence of God. He's going to direct your life in a path of great joy and hope and peace. Why? Because He said, I'm going to go with you on that path. Because, you see, for His namesake, He's Emmanuel. God with us. Emmanuel. He loves you. That's why He... That name Emmanuel means so much. He said, I want to be with you. And for his namesake, God gave us his son to be with us. If you know Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. It's God with you. Sometimes we feel like we've left him at the house. He's still there. You're just not paying attention to him. It's God with you. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. Thank you for the blessings. Lord, there may be somebody here this morning that needs to take the Son. They need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. Oh, Lord, help them to come, Lord, and be honest and receive Jesus Christ as Savior. Lord, I pray now that you'd be with every Christian here that we might, Lord, that we might magnify, that we might glorify you. We would allow you to direct our lives and guide us and direct the direction you want us to go. Help us to give as those wise men gave. Help us to give ourselves to you. Help us to live for you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy and goodness. Have your will way in this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning?